Oil is something that we have a lot of nowadays. It's very valuable and useful to our society. Planes could not fly without it and cars could not drive without it. You can buy it practically uh, at any store that you go to. However, oil was not always so accessible. In the early 1800s, they would push their ships out into the deep waters and literally hunt for whales for years at a time. That's right. You heard me right. Whales. The reason they would hunt for these whales was for the whale oil. They would kill the whale and use the whale oil for burning lamps and different purposes like making soap and things of this nature. The oil brought light into their world. They would go to extreme measures to obtain oil. People literally died trying to spear whales. That's how desperate they were. These were the extreme measures they were forced to take until the Pennsylvania oil rush of 1859 when they discovered that oil could come from the ground. They had been standing on it this whole time. It had been right under their feet this whole time. You're probably saying, Nathan, what are you trying to say? I'm saying that what you have, ladies and gentlemen, listeners of this podcast, is so valuable and it's what people are looking for. The Holy Ghost is more valuable than anything you have. The gospel is the most valuable thing you have ever learned. And wouldn't it be a shame if your friends, family, co-workers, and community were spiritually out chasing whales when the gospel was standing right in front of them the whole time simply because they know you? What I'm saying is that simply by knowing you, They have struck oil. You are a well of knowledge, a spring of hope to your friends and family. You can change the world and you will. And what you have brings light to their world and they are desperate for it. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode of the Noteworthy Podcast, where we'll be talking about habits of highly effective soul winners, because what you have brings light to the world. Let's go. Hey everyone, thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode of the Noteworthy Podcast where we will be talking about nine habits of highly effective soul winners. Now, I don't know about you, but it has been one of my life's greatest goals to always make sure that I am a soul winner, that I'm telling people about Jesus. And a goal is probably the wrong word because it can't just be a goal It really is a commandment. It's something that God requires from us. I want to start today with 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 3. It says, But if our gospel is hid, it is hid to them that are lost. One more scripture to set us up today. Proverbs 11 and 30. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls 
is wise. So we need to start by asking ourselves the question, how can I be a soul winner? And if you're listening and you're alone, maybe you want to just say that out loud as we get started. How can I be a soul winner? How can I win the world to Jesus? How can I spread the gospel in an effective way? Now, we know as apostolics, as believers in Jesus Christ, we believe that we've been born again. We've been baptized in Jesus' name. We've been filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. We've repented of our sins. God has forgiven us of all these things. And so we know that we have an answer. That's not the question. The question is, what habits can I develop to be effective in reaching the lost? Effective, the the definition means successful in producing a desired or intended result. You will never be a soul winner without being intentional. Now, I'm going to start today just kind of by giving you a virtual high five here and telling you that you're a soul winner. You may not know it yet. You may not think that you have the courage. You may think that you could never, ever tell anybody about Jesus. I'm telling you that's a lie from the devil. You're a soul winner. And I believe that God is setting you up for success to win your friends and family to the Lord. And I believe that today's episode is going to be a great resource for you. Now, if you're not interested in telling anybody about Jesus and you're not concerned, you just want to go to heaven, but you don't really care if anybody else goes, then you probably want to hit stop on this episode right now. This episode is not for you. But if you're listening to me today and you've been born again and you want to tell other people about Jesus, stay tuned because it's going to be an exciting episode today. Now, uh, some of these tips today, there's, there's going to be nine of them, nine habits of highly effective soul winners. Uh, some of these are personal things that I've learned from experience But none of them are just personal opinion. All of them are based on scripture. And these are what I believe to be habits of highly effective soul winners. Okay, number one, believe what you teach. Mark 1.15 says, And saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye, and believe the gospel. So here's an extremely important tip that must be the basis for every Bible study that you give, okay? None of the other eight points will make sense if you don't start with this. Believe what you teach. If you don't believe what you're teaching, you will never be able to win a soul to the Lord. You have to be passionate and stand strong on what is true. Hold strong to that. Don't be ashamed of what you believe. You know, a lot of people don't tell people about the gospel because they're not really 100% sure they believe it themselves. When you believe the gospel, when you believe that the word of God is infallible, it has no mistakes, every word in that Bible is true. When you have a relationship with God and you know deep down in your soul that he is real, 
there will be a desire in you to tell somebody else about it. Believe what you teach and people will catch on to it. Habit number two is don't hide your light. Matthew 5 and 14 says, You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Don't hide your light. Don't hide your joy. Okay, let's let's just um let's hit pause and just be real here for a moment. A distressed and depressed Christian cannot be a soul winner because in the eyes of the world, you have nothing to offer them. Think about it. The joy of the Lord is supposed to illuminate everything that you do and everywhere that you go. But why would anybody want to go to church with you when you never smile, you never look like you have joy, you look like you just had the worst day of your life? Am I saying Christians don't have bad days? I'm absolutely not saying that. Of course, you're going to have a bad day. But you can't walk around in defeat and tell people, I've got the victory. You have to be the Pentecostal life of the party. When you go to school, it's okay to have fun, be their friend, and show them the way at the same time. You have to be a city that is set on a hill. I think it's a shame when Pentecostal powerful young people are hiding in the corner where nobody can see them when 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 in reality the entire class is looking to you and saying something is different about them there's something different about them the way that they dress the way that they talk the way that they act i've seen videos of their church services on facebook wow they really go crazy at church you better believe the world notices that and you can't hide from it and if the light is shining uncontrollably out of you, people cannot help but see it. Guys, do not be ashamed of who you are. You have nothing to be ashamed of. You're a child of God. You, you're holding on to the truth. You, you are holding the oil that the world is chasing after. They're, they're out there chasing whales. They're out there chasing false ideologies and philosophies and things just to find the answer. They're out chasing whales, and you're sitting here with the oil in your lamp. It's, it's been right there with them the whole time because they know you. Number three, set the standard. If you take notes when you listen to podcasts, I want you to write this down set the standard. Let me be very clear when I say this. A child of God does not go by the world's standards. The world doesn't set the standard. You do, based on what you believe in God's Word. God's Word sets the standard. Numbers 1 and 52, and the children of Israel shall pitch their tents, every man by his own camp and every man by his own standard throughout their host. They don't draw the, they don't draw the line in the sand. You do. The world doesn't decide where that line is. The, the Bible does. Jesus decides that. So let me break it down. They don't decide what you watch. 
you do. They don't decide what kind of music you listen to. You do. The world doesn't decide what's acceptable to talk about in mixed company. You set that standard. And you will never win a world that you're trying to blend into. Take authority and set the standard. And when you draw that line in the sand, I'm telling you, when people want to draw closer to God, they've got to look for somebody who's drawn a line and say, that's who I need to talk to about Jesus. Number four, this is... uh, this is one of my favorite points in, in this lesson. I've, I've taught this to my youth group, and I, I teach this to my class. Uh, goodness, on a weekly basis, I talk about this because I'm always encouraging my students to start P7 clubs, talk to people about Jesus, and invite their friends to church. This is an important point. Number four, do not be afraid to say, I don't no. Proverbs 16 and 18 says, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Better it is to be of a humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. You will never win a soul on personal opinion. And if somebody asks you a question concerning the Bible and you don't know the answer, it's not okay to make up an answer. Are you hearing me right now? It is never okay to make up an answer because you're too prideful to admit that you don't know something. That's called pride, and it will surely lead you to a fall. False doctrine is never okay, and you will never win somebody to the Lord by acting like you know something when you don't even have a clue. Guess what? I don't have all the answers, and you don't have all the answers. I have given Bible studies before where I was asked (laughs) to answer a question that I just did not know the answer to. Goodness, one of the most intimidating things I ever did was uh, Rachel and I were were, uh, working on on campus ministry together, and uh, they invited me to kind of do an open Q&A. So there was... (laughs) There was zero preparation for this. It was just an open Q&A. I was able to answer about uh, maybe 35% of the questions that related uh, to the gospel. And then uh, most of them were, you know, the other 65% was answers, you know, to questions that I didn't know. I, I said, listen, I don't know exactly how old the earth is. I don't know exactly what the Garden of Eden looked like. I wasn't there. And don't let people intimidate you uh, because they have a sincere question. Sometimes as Christians, we can get defensive and shut down when we don't know the answer to something. And guys, that can really stunt your witness because uh, usually anytime I've told somebody Listen, you know what? I'm not sure what the answer is to that. Let me study that. Let me talk to my pastor about that and let me get back with you. Guess what? Their ears were wide open when I found the answer because they respected so much that I cared about truth enough 
to make sure that what I was saying was true and not just my opinion, that that actually, by admitting I didn't know the answer, that actually really helped my witness with that group of young people on that campus. Guys, don't be prideful and act like you know everything because none of us do. Number five, confidence must never be mistaken for arrogance. You must be confident about what you believe. And it's very easy to shut down when somebody asks you a question and, and you can be scared and confident at the same time. To be confident is not the absence of fear, but the presence of God. Uh, you know, life can be scary. You're scared because life is scary. But your confidence should draw them to the Word of God, meaning your confidence is in His Word. Not in that you have all the answers, but you say, you know what? There's no doubt in my life that that God's Word is true and that Jesus has changed my life. And when people see that, they start listening to what you have to say. However, this is where we have to be careful, and this is why I've included this in the podcast today. Sometimes confidence can be confused as arrogance, and you cannot be a soul winner and arrogant at the same time. It'll never work. Acting like you know everything will never work. Even if you're right, you've lost. Hear me, follow me, because the Holy Ghost will never operate through an arrogant vessel, the Holy Ghost will only operate in humility. You don't know everything, and I don't know everything, and that's okay. Love people. Your confidence is not in yourself. Your confidence is rooted in Jesus Christ. You are confident in him. Proverbs 3 and 26 says, For the Lord shall be thy confidence and shall keep thy foot from being taken. In the fear of the Lord is strong and confidence, and his children shall have a place of refuge. Habits of highly effective soul winners, principle number six. I call it the one soul principle. Look with me in Luke 15 and 10. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repents. The Bible says that the angels rejoice over one sinner that comes to repentance. If you witness or give a Bible study to 100 people and only one sinner comes to repentance and is born again because of it, it was all worth it. God cares about that one soul. Salvation is a big deal. Make sure they know it. You should get excited about it. You should show them that you're excited. Rejoice when they go down in the water in Jesus' name. Worship with them when they cry tears of joy. God cares, the angels care, and we as the children of God should care too. You know, I anytime, and this is, this is just my personal opinion, I don't know what the culture of your church is, But one of my biggest pet peeves is when people are baptized after service and half the church leaves to go to lunch. I think it's our job as the church to stay and rejoice and say, you know what? 
Zaxby's can wait 15 minutes because I want this person to know that this is a big deal. I want the first thing they see when they come out of the water is the church clapping their hands and rejoicing, leaping and shouting, lifting our hands and rejoicing over the fact that another person has just been born again and their sins have been forgiven. Number seven, pray on sight. Second Chronicles 7.14 says, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Wherever you do outreach, pray there. Don't wait until you get home. If you're knocking doors, have prayer right there in that neighborhood. If you're on your college campus, pray there. If your coworker needs prayer, pray for them on site at your job. Take apostolic authority on site. You are the temple of God. Wherever you go, the house of prayer should go with you. You know, my coworker was afraid one time uh, that we were going to be robbed. Years ago, I worked in banking for a long time, and somebody came into the bank, and my coworker really thought that we were about to be robbed. And I looked at her and I said, you have nothing to worry about. I've done a prayer walk around this entire building. And I'll never forget, she breathed a big sigh of relief and said, thank you. That makes me feel a lot better. This is not somebody that you would ever know believed in prayer, but she actually believed in the power of prayer. And the reason it impacted her was because prayer happened right there on site at the bank. Don't be afraid to pray where you're at. One of the most powerful things about CMI Awakening Campus Ministry uh, is that they have church on campus. And something very powerful happens when people begin to pray and worship and sing and give their lives to God on site. Number eight, listen. Have you ever met someone who really likes to talk, but they don't really like to listen? You know, you probably didn't enjoy that conversation very much, did you? Because when you're giving a Bible study, it is absolutely essential that you listen to what they have to say. Do not interrupt them, even if you disagree theologically. Your time will come, and when it's your turn, (laughs) speak. You know, sometimes as apostolics, we feel like if we even hear uh, something that we disagree with theologically, we have to interrupt. And guys, um, why would they listen to me if I won't listen to them? Why would they hear what I have to say about Jesus? And and I and if I won't even stop and, and listen to them for five minutes, why would they ever listen to what I have to say about the oneness of God if I won't just sit there and let them talk to me about their perspective of it and how they've been raised? You know, um, going back to this uh, banking analogy here, I I did work in banking for years as as a young man growing up, and uh, I'm still a young man. I'm only 28. Goodness, I'm getting up there though. Uh, but I, you know, 
they they would teach you to listen to your customer because listen to cues and clues because by listening is how you discover what they need and the same goals the same goes for soul winners you have to listen for cues so that you can discover what they need we have the answer aren't you glad that we have the answer but we can't tell people the answer if we don't know what they need. You know, I was given a Bible to some somebody, a Bible study to somebody years ago, and um, I discovered that uh, she had actually already been baptized in Jesus' name. And so Rachel and I were, or we thought she was baptized in Jesus' name, right? Because that's what she told us. But then by listening to her, by See, if I would have just jumped in and taken over the conversation, that would have stopped right there. But by listening, I found out that she was baptized, but it ends up, it wasn't in the name of Jesus Christ. It was in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I'll never forget listening to her. And uh, we just had a Bible study about baptism. And I read Acts 2.38 about how how we're supposed to be baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of our sins. I'll never forget, she came to church that next Sunday, came up to my wife Rachel and I and said, don't you think I should be baptized in Jesus' name if that's what the Bible says to do? And I said, that's absolutely right. And so she got re-baptized in Jesus' name because she found out what she needed because somebody took time to listen to her. Guys, we have to be willing to listen to what they need. Sometimes you'll find out that somebody might think they have the Holy Ghost and they actually haven't received the Holy Ghost yet, okay? And that's not them lying or being dishonest. They just don't know what it actually means to be filled with the Spirit of God. And so we have to listen and be willing to give the answer, but we can only know what the need is when we listen to the person that we're speaking to. My last point today is number nine, which is simply sow the seed. Luke 8 and 5 says, a sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trodden down, and the fowls of the air devoured it, and some fell upon a rock. And as soon as it was sprung up, it withered away because it lacked moisture, and some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up, and it choked it. The other fell on good ground and sprang up and bare fruit a hundredfold. And when he had said these things, he cried, he that has ears to hear, let him hear. Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. Jesus was reminding us that it's not our job to determine where to sow the seeds. It's not our job to determine which soil has the potential for the seed to grow. Notice some of it was thorny ground. It was dried up ground, but they still threw the seed. We can't determine whether it will grow, but we can determine to sow no matter what the ground looks like. 
The seed is the word of God. We don't have the liberty or the right to pick and choose who is worthy of Calvary because if Jesus had done that to me, I would have never been worthy of that seed. I would have never been worthy to hear the gospel if somebody hadn't reached out to my family and to me. And so don't be discouraged and say, this person's not hearing what I'm having to say. I've been trying to tell them about Jesus, but but they're just not listening. I, I just don't know if I'm going to be able to talk to them about it anymore. Listen, it's not your job to determine whether or not they deserve the gospel or whether or not they're ready to hear it. It's your job to sow the seed and God will take care of the ground. And guess what? That seed that fell on that thorny ground, when the season changes and when the rain falls and the storm comes and that ground is churned up and when things change, guess what's going to be sitting there? That seed. That seed will still be there. And sometimes you won't see things happen for years. I've, I've taught Bible studies where I didn't see any result at all for five years. And five years later, they said, you know what? I'm ready to be baptized in Jesus' name. Guys, I want to thank you so much for going on this journey with me. I know that this was a lot of points, a lot of information, but I really felt to do this today because God has called us to be soul winners and we have to be wise. We have to be strategic and we have to be intentional. We won't effectively win people to the Lord if we're not intentional in how we go about it. Let's close this episode out in prayer. Lord, in Jesus' name, I want to pray for those that are listening right now, that you would bless them and that you would be with them. Lord, there are some that are listening that are afraid and they're intimidated and they're not sure how they're going to reach the world. But God, I pray that you would comfort them and that you would empower them today to do your work. Because God, the greatest thing we could ever do is reach people for you. And God, you've called us to reach a lost and dying world. God, don't let us ever hold the gospel back from somebody because we made a determination that they might not be ready. But God, everywhere that we go, no matter how dire the situation or how crazy it might seem, God, help us to sow the seed, help us to spread the gospel. And I pray you'd bless every listener that's listening right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, I love you so much. I thank you for all the support that you've given the Noteworthy Podcast. It really has blown my mind. Be sure to leave a review and a comment. It does help the show grow, and the show is growing. I'm very thankful for that, and I'm so thankful that this has turned into a ministry, and it's reaching a lot of people, and a lot of people are getting to hear the gospel through this podcast, and I think that that is an incredible thing. I love you guys. Thanks so much for tuning into the Noteworthy Podcast, and we'll see you next week. God bless.